Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech podcast, a roundtable discussion with leading WordPress tech experts. Here's your hosts, Jonathan Denwood and Andrew Palmer. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech. This is show 654. This is going to be our last show of 2001, and we've got a great couple of guests. I think it's going to be a great show to end the year. We've got some great stories. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves, and then we'll be straight into these articles we'll be discussing. First of all, we've got um, somebody I've been following for years is at a really knowledgeable individual. Uh, um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. That's Chris Brogan. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to the WP Tonic Tribe? Well, I'm so happy to connect with everybody. I don't know how knowledgeable I am. I'll say on a scale of 1 to 10, I sh- somewhat. Um, so, I mean, it could be a great day today. And I brought all of the sun with me. So yes. people watching this as a video, God bless. You, you can all have it. I'll share it with you all. That's great, Chris. I don't know how much light there will be upon you after this show, but there we go. You did agree, you're adult. So we've got Robert Jacoby with us. Um, he was there. He heard the inspirational words of our WordPress leader on Tuesday. Robert, would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe? <laughs> the tribe. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, quite simply, Robert Jacoby, Director of WordPress at Cloudways, a WordPress managed cloud hosting company, doing the thing and hanging out at State of the Word. There we go. I've got Stephanie, who's who might be able to keep with us. She's slowly recovering from the virus, but she's got my okay. extra sexy voice today because I'm on the rebound from the Rona, everybody. So I'll have my finger on the mute for my coughing fits, but I'm super happy to be here. I'm Stephanie Hudson, rep in Focus WP. You can find us at focuswp.co. You sound like Elizabeth Holmes all the time now, Stephanie. Uh, um, so there we go. Uh, um, we've got our old friend join us, Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce Did she yourself? just call you old, Sally? I am old. Old friend, old friend. <laughs> That's what I said, Stephanie. Don't start on yes, me. Don't I, start I am, on me straight away, Stephanie. For God's sake. I, I am uh, Sally Sketch. Rhymes with Sketch, the WP fangirl. And, and Chris, I haven't seen you for ages. I was thinking the same thing. The minute you lit up on the screen, I was like, "Sally, it's been yes, a, yes." I mean, it was. It would have last been some kind of podcast event in <clears throat> LA. Sounds right. about right. So that could have been 2012. There we go. I've got my friend Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Good morning, Spencer from WPLaunchify.com. And I've got my co-host, the Andrew Palmer. Andrew, you Hi, like? I'm Andrew Palmer from uh, Bertha.ai. I spelt it correctly this time. And uh, yeah, I'm a co-host. Could try and keep you under control, but there you go. That's going to be impossible, really. Um, before we go into our main stories, I've got a quick message from our major sponsor. We'll be back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. 
I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalized for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing also for the WP Tonic tribe Castos is just offering an amazing deal if you go to the WP Tonic website backlink newsletter you can get your first six months at half price that's right half price that's only an exclusive offer to you the tribe also you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic weekly newsletter which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the WP Tonic tribe. Please show your support for the show and support Castos. It's a fantastic platform. We're coming back. Like I say, but before we go into our main stories, I want to dedicate this podcast to the people and the state of Kentucky um, I know that you have gone through a very difficult period, but I'm sure the people and the state of K- Kentucky will recover. So I dedicate this podcast to you. So we start off the state of the word 2021, the great insights and powerful words of our great leader. Robert, you were there. What was it like and what were some of the key things that you got from the presentation, Robert? Boy, what was it like? It was, I mean, this was sort of the first, I guess, official WordPress event of anything in 2021. Not 2001, but 2021. And uh, there were a solid group of people. I mean, the, the the invitees, the people who requested invites, there were about 50 people at uh, a new, I don't know for how long, automatic office, which used to be the um, Tumblr office in New York. And uh, it, it was insanely intimate compared to a typical state of the word. If you've ever been to one at like WordCamp US and you know, there there wasn't a queue of a thousand people trying to get in to get that front row seat and whatnot. So, you know, from a you know physical 3D and real life perspective, boy, you could not beat it. And you know, Matt stayed on topic on time, uh, which you know sometimes it can go on for very long. I am a huge Gutenberg fan, so I was thrilled to just hear that, <laughs> Jonathan. I, I, I was. I really enjoyed hearing that push for blocks, blocks, more blocks, blocks in WooCommerce, you know, block-based themes, uh, all that stuff that's that's really sort of on the agenda for 2022. I mean, you know, 2021, we're just, everyone's still getting their feet wet. So I love that. I love always the emphasis on five for the future. Um, I think that's great. This was some official swag from the event. So I'm just trying to uh, keep that momentum going. Uh, I, I'm a you know, community lover first and foremost. So, you know, I think, you know, Matt does a great job of just trying to get those pieces together. He's got a lot of different topics. I mean, there were topics about, you know, how does the community engage and react to all the acquisitions going on? You know, I think 
Matt tried. He probably could have been more successful with it in, in, in explaining the benefit of, of that, not just that this is a typical economic life cycle issue. I believe it's good for the uh, community because uh, it does generate more funds and more excitement around things. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of pushback from, well, at least Jonathan on some of these thoughts. But uh, I really, would... I really don't. Jonathan's know always trying to get acquired. <laughs> That's my my aim, Sally, at the end of my career to get required. Uh, um, I, I really don't know how to respond because I've made my feelings very public and they're stated, and um, I don't want me to dominate this. Con- well, I won't because I've got two. I've got a great panel. So, Chris, I don't know if you observed um, Matt Mayo's words of wisdom. If it was on your radar, Chris. Um, I don't know. Do you want to input on this particular story? Well, listen, all I want to say about it is that first off, I, I'd sooner listen to people like Robert explain it because, you know, my take is so pedestrian in comparison that it's like I needed to filter through the smart people here. Uh, the one thing I will double down on, which it appears we might disagree, I love Gutenberg. And uh, my friend Brian Gardner uh, has his new Frost theme. Brian was uh, mm-hmm. with Genesis with Brian Clark and all that. The Frost theme really takes a, you know those blocks to heart. And I'm excited about it just because I like that I can just change out a look and feel without, with a few clicks. You know what I mean? I take all the sex out of design. It's just like clack, clack, clack. New site. Right. But uh, I think if that's where we're still headed, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be happier with that. And then there's another whole lot of people who are going to be sad because, you know, they're they're specialists and they're frou-frou and, you know, they need it to look a certain way. I don't need it to look a certain way. I just need it to, to run in a straight line. Yeah, right. That's fantastic. So, Spencer, what did you what did you get from the words from the great leader? Uh, I started listening to it while I was on my bike, and I finished in the house. It did go on a while. Some of the highlights were, of course, um, you know, like the individual questions were interesting. But overall, I don't think, I mean, you know, the the funniest thing is somebody in the post-status private group was doing bets, like uh, Matt Wallen, bingo. You know, uh, it's like Bob when you, you know, Bob Newhart show, you have to take a shot when, hi, Bob. Well, it was like, what were the words that he was going to say in reference? And I think a lot of people got uh, their cards filled because it was pretty predictable. But on the other hand, uh, that's fine too. You know, I mean, he, remember I talked two shows ago, I said like, what's he going to do? He's not going to talk about anything controversial and everything's going to be properly filtered with, he was wearing Matt Mullenweg, you know, happy young, you know, suit guy, not controversial, let's go get him kind of guy. You know, it wasn't uh, Larry Ellison out there or something like that. So it was good. I, I was pleased with it, and it was very cordial. Like the the smaller space was funny because at one point where he's like, "Everybody move up a space," so it looks so it looks like the place isn't empty. That was probably funny for my own personal reasons. But yeah, save so, Stephanie. What did uh, you What did you get from it? It was all sunshine and roses, wasn't I, it? I like say what you will. I love Matt Mullenweg. <laughs> I just think he's such a pro. He is such a pro. I mean, this guy is a programming genius and he can get up. I mean, look, like what he's done, he's figured out the thing that we all base our careers on, okay? Uh, I, think then, Martin, I think Martin Little had something to do okay, with it. Okay, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, just a little, little bit. Just Mike, a little Mike, bit. Mike, just Mike, a little Mike bit. Little. Of, just Mike a little bit. 
Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Mike. Mike Little. Mike Mitchell. Where, where, is, where is Mike Little today? Well, that's that's a good that's an interesting that's an interesting conversation. Is he like the third time. Apple founder guy? The Listen, guy who Mike, no, Mike Little's doing okay for himself. He's great. He's um he's part he's actually part of the humanist uh society in the UK. He's also a diversity um king and uh he works for Yeah, it works mates. like this. Mike, you're black. Run our diversity. Uh, 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 uh. I don't don't accept that. I think he volunteered. Um, In fact, I know he volunteered because I know Mike Little. I've met him half the time. I know him and sadly he's one uh, of the nicest people. I've I've seen him. He's he's like an amazing, wonderful guy. I'm not not saying that to criticize him. Half the kudos that he should, (laughs) Um, you know, and it annoys me to... You know, he 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 does not get any any kudos for what he's done. He is the he is the co-founder. In fact, the story is, and this is the story from Mike Little, because he was interviewed. I listened to one of his interviews the other day. Is that he put it out there to fork um, the particular thing, and it was Matt Mullenweg that answered the the query. Right. That's so what it says it, on Wikipedia. It, it, it's actually, it's actually it, yeah, it's actually. Mike Little that started WordPress, you know, and, and Matt joined him. So let's get it right. Let's get it right about yeah, Mike. Let's get it right, Stephanie. You know, he's very right. good at he's very good at publicizing himself. Be clear, I, I didn't mess any of that up. Uh, right. <laughs> All I'm saying is Matt does a good job of this. This is a no-win job, right? You're gonna give a talk about a super boring subject to a ton of super critical people, like thousands of very, very critical audience members. Uh, yeah, exactly. People are just there waiting to just tear it apart. And he does it with a smile on his face and his corny jokes, and he knows that it's boring, and he just plows through anyway. And the way he handles the questions at the end is so masterful. I, I realized this a couple years ago at uh, WordCamp US. These people would ask the most asinine questions. It was like they just wanted to get in front of everybody and say their names. And he remembers everybody's names for starters. Like when they just say it real quick at the beginning and then ask a 10-minute question, he remembers their names. He treats everybody with dignity. Like he'd never, like I would be like, oh my God, that question is so dumb. And he would treat it with dignity and he would answer it thoughtfully. And so I don't know. I just, I have a lot of respect for him for those sort of things, the way he handles it. The thing that I do not understand from the talk is why we have duotones and why they are a big deal. Like I was like, (laughs) what are we, what? He was so excited about it. And I'm like, is this a thing? Like that's just CSS. Like, do we really? Need that? Like, I don't, I don't know. That just all seemed so silly. And does that belong in core? I don't know. Like, that was my only sort of like, what? It's a feature. It's a feature. It's a feature. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it's a little cute CSS thing. And um, those <coughs> sorts of effects go through periods of, of being trendy. But one, one does have a moment of, of thinking like, this is the most important thing you could think of to mention. He was pumped about it. He was pumped about duotones. And also, like, the builders all have duotones, right? I know Divi does. I don't know anybody who uses it. Like, no, nobody cares about duotones. Just I am to, uh, so rebuilding my site as 100% duotoned. You should. Like, just from, from just top to, to bottom. Uh, there was just one thing, um, actually. Um, what was it? Just one thing that's going on, um, uh, Robert. That I thought was it was when he was asked in the question section about you know from Bob about WooCommerce and he said well it's a plugin 
which it is. Do you think that's maybe a just the way it's framed is maybe a problem? Because I I really see uh, WooCommerce as central, and it should be in the in a way its own totally its own thing in a way. Did you did that the way it was framed WooCommerce? What did you have any view about that, Robert? I mean, that's all technically correct. I mean, it is a plugin. Mm. I mean, it's a it's a very all encompassing plugin because I mean, once you commit to doing things in WooCommerce, you've sort of you know really entered a different world. Um, I, I did have a chance, you know, outside of the actual state of the word, to speak with Matt and Paul, the CEO of uh, WooCommerce, and they do have stuff coming up uh, in, in next year, in the next year to kind of um, make it more accessible, make it more, uh, you know, user business friendly than it is now. I, you know, there is a, there is a push to, to, to get that out the door. So, you know, for folks who are really just in the WordPress space, I think saying it, it's a plugin is fair. That at least gives them a frame of reference for what's going on and you know how it exists. Certainly, once you get into the nitty gritty, it's it's a it's another world. Right. I, I have something I want to throw in here though, because two things back to back though make it kind of interesting. In a world where a robot Zuckerberg is talking about the metaverse and all this, we go over to Matt Mullenweg and he goes, "Great news, guys! Duo tones and plugins." You know, <laughs> like that's his. That's his intellectual property. That's his That's his stake, his hill he's going to die on. Microsoft shows off all those cool, almost Second Life avatars without legs. And he goes, you can look like Spotify all day now if you want. <laughs> like that's not like somebody did not do his homework and showed up to the, the book report with very precious little pages. Uh, I Wow, I really want to push back on that one. First of all, you it. know. The, the garbage fest that's you know the, the Facebook metaverse is is just creating noise and clutter on the internet. That that boy, we were just talking earlier on the you know the pre-show in the green room. You know, oh, I sent you a message. <laughs> Stephanie sent me a message on Facebook. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm going to read that. But uh, I, I think Matt really tried to stake. Uh, a, a more practical aspect to actually doing stuff in the certainly in the short term and the long term. Uh, his statement: Gutenberg is bigger than WordPress, and he's right. It's 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 going to be a, a a platform that I think helps more open source projects take advantage of more cool stuff. And then OpenVerse, that's a huge big deal. That's real stuff that people are using today. I'm not having to buy a $7,000 uh, headset that I'm going to have to throw away in one year and have, you know, advertising injected directly into my retinas. So, you know, I, I'm going to disagree on that. I think OpenVerse and Gutenberg uh, is sort of the untold interesting portion of the whole WordPress state of the word. I agree with you, Robert. Absolutely. What? I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm so surprised. It's so unusual that I agree with anybody, really, because I'm just that sort of... Well, you never agree with anything I say. Well, that's because Andrew. it's you, isn't it? Well, I'm a devil's advocate. No, um, Mr. Jacoby is is great. You know, we had a, a few drinks by a bar um, a few weeks ago now, and, uh, you know, we got involved in some in-depth conversations about WordPress, where it's going, what it's about, why it should be 
um, protected. And I think what the word, the, the state of the word every year is about protecting WordPress. Not necessarily WordPress.org, but, you know, certainly protecting the investment that Matt and uh, Salesforce and a few other people have put a few million, a few million dollars into to make it the, what, $3.8 billion company is now or $7 billion company now. And to protect it, it's, it needs to reach out to the community, make sure that the community is still engaged. And um, his comments on the community were quite pertinent because there is some you know there's some very loud noises out there and there's only a few people out there and and we all know that the squeaky wheel um gets heard because they you know these the 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 minority of the people that are criticizing wordpress and it is a minority because most people just get on with it they're they're making a lot of noise about nothing in my view so we're very lucky to have wordpress Uh, we are we live on it we live on it we earn our living through it i'm not gonna go on a bender with this at all but well, I, I respect, think, I respect I, what they're doing I, do, I, I, think, really do. I think you've totally taken the coup Andrew you, you know um, but that's your business this I, I want to cover my country. this is going to be a slightly long show if any of the panel has this prog- this windy road progresses what need to jump out obviously you've got my permission but I'd like to get two stories before we go for our break. So let's go on to the next story, which is about what happened in Kentucky and the criticism that Amazon has received and some other um, business um, enterprises have faced in how. First of all, I'm going to throw this question over to Chris. Um, But Chris, I want to make one thing clear to you, Chris, that I've gone to the Amazon re-education camp, which is run by China and Apple, um, and I've been re-educated. And I just want to say to you, Chris, and the audience, that any kind of liability that Amazon had in this and its great founder is totally unjustified, Chris. You know, their workers need to understand that they're kind of organic um, like Somnia in Somnia four five one, they're just there to be used and for the greater good of Amazon and the great leader, the great scientists like in Blade Runner, you know Wallace. Its founder is almost the greatness of Blade Runner, really. And their sacrifice, their them dying for such a great company, Chris means that this great founder can go to the stars, Chris. I just want to make that totally clear to you, Chris. What, what do you think of the story, Chris? I have I have one detail that sticks out, and it's, it's terrible, but it's this one little detail that sticks out. There's this poor Amazon truck driver. This stuff starts going on, and he's like, what do I, what do, I do? Where do I go? What happens? Ah, and they go, get in the bathroom. Bathrooms are usually pretty safe during tornadoes. That's great. Get in the bathroom. Okay, I'll get in the bathroom. Wham, the tornado wrecks the bathroom, guy dies. All I'm thinking is, here's this guy who has no tornado skills or knowledge whatsoever, probably skipped tornado training class, and uh, went into the bathroom and, and you know, God is a capricious beast and said, I will smite you in there, I can find you. And I just think that poor man's life, like he, he you know, had been out on the road, had been driving, knows you're not supposed to drive around during a tornado, does everything right, and still doesn't work. And I feel like 
there, there must be sort of a metaphor right under the surface there for the rest of the universe uh, based in, it doesn't matter. You could be in an Amazon truck or an Amazon bathroom, but if, you know, the spirits that be want to come and get you, they're going to find you. Yeah, but what do you think about this totally unfair criticism of Amazon and its founder, how it treats its, you know, they, oh, they had the audacity to want to go home to their yeah, families. You know, it's terrible, it I feel. Work. I mean, they don't have their cell phones. They don't. They can wait until after the shift. I think that, you know, I mean, how am I going to get my guitar pick uh, punching kit that takes, you know, hotel room keys and turns them into guitar picks if they if they close and abandon that shop, that's not going to happen. I just want the media have lost it. It's disgusting. You know, we depend on this Chinese rubbish that we live on. Right. Uh, um, and these workers oh, need to know it's, that they need to getting, sacrifice, no, sacrifice themselves. The horse yeah, is dead. Gone. But that horse is dead. Go away from I, it. So basically what we're, what we're trying to say and definitely. what we're trying to understand is that employees were put at risk because of capitalism, right? It doesn't matter which company it is. Um, it, it, just because it was Amazon, that's that's the way it is. So effectively, their safety officers should have said, right, safety let's officers. cover. Well, there's safety officers there. It's, it's a legal requirement. And Stephanie's ready to speak. Go for it. Andrew, this is America. They don't know what the word means, safety yeah. officers. Listen, it, I'm not... I'm not defending all of Jeff Bezos' (laughs) decisions or anything like that. But I think this particular case, I've done a bit of reading about it. And really, like in that part of the world, this, that like strip of the middle of this country, tornado warnings happen all the time. And, you know, I was reading some comments from other people who live in that area. If we stopped work for every tornado siren that went, like no work would get done. Like it's a, for a certain time of the year, it's very frequent. And that building was steel-reinforced concrete walls. Like anywhere in that building was one of the safest places you could probably be. Like you can't be, at, you can't go home. Like it's once those alarms go off, like you, you don't go get in your car and drive. So you have to kind of stay there. And then also the bathrooms are probably just like two by fours with a drop ceiling, right? Like they're not any more secure except for the fact that they're probably in the middle of the building which could be a safer place to go, except for the fact that like this tornado was massive and indiscriminate and it just blew through the whole center of that building and took out the bathrooms with it. You know, so it's like, it wasn't like, I think this was just a case of a really sucky situation. You know, a, a tornado is nuts. They you could have been in, you could have a strip of houses and it could hit every other house. Like it could just bounce over them, destroy one and leave the next door neighbor perfectly intact. Like there's no, there's no really like prepping for this other than the fact that they were already in this like massively reinforced warehouse. So I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, Jeff Bezos has a lot to answer for, but I, I don't know that this is like one of them. Like if they needed to take shelter in a bathroom and he wouldn't let them, Okay, but if they're already like, if that's not really any more shelter, then I don't know. Yeah, keep working. So, Spencer, what what, what do you think about this story? The only part of the story that's interesting to me are the trigger words that have become a catchphrase in our society that they trigger me at least. Whenever somebody who is on the borderline of doing something wrong or evil or a politician hears something bad happen, thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers. <laughs> that, that will cure that everything. That out to me, yes. 
Uh, my company just murdered your whole family. My thoughts and prayers are with you. That will make it better. Now, not to say anything about the underlying reason people do praying, but like the fact that those catchwords have become so trite and that yeah. Bezos would utter them are kind of like when he got off his phallic rocket ship after burning a lifetime of carbons and said, thank you to all the slaves who work, I mean, employees who work for me that made this possible. It's like so terrible. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, that's oh, something I think that one, that was bad. What? Yeah, well, to, I mean, to Stephanie's point, I think, you know, Chris's, like, big lesson uh, is nature is still bigger than we are. Uh, and, uh, you know, and will continue to be. And I was born and raised in tornado country, and now I live in earthquake country, um, uh, plus uh, probably flood country because um, I actually live on, you know, land reclaimed from a swamp. So if the big one comes, we're going to get a tsunami. Um, and, uh, and I probably won't be able to blow up the raft in time. Uh, and uh, those things uh, do happen and they can be beyond comprehension. However, the fact that, you know, we have these stories about both this Amazon warehouse and my husband saw a story about a candle factory with a similar situation that people wanted to leave work early when there started to be more distant warnings, you know, long before the siren goes off, but the, hey, that looks like this thing is heading your direction. Uh, and there we're told, no, you know, you stay until the end of your shift. And it happened that the factory was wiped out uh, and their homes were not. And, you know, you don't know that's what's going to happen, but then uh, it looks bad. Uh, and, um, you know, some stuff is unpreventable, but the reason that you know, there are agencies like OSHA is to investigate and find out, you know, was there something more that could be done or and should have been done and wasn't? Or was this just one of those things where, well, they had a solid building, it had been inspected, it had whatever, and it still wasn't enough. Because mm -hmm. what we do often isn't, and we don't like learning that. No. So, Robert, I, um, I take what Stephanie um, had to say, and I thought there was great insight in what Stephanie had to say. But um, on the other hand, I think in corporate America, I do sense a bit like, but I just want to see, and especially tech companies, and kind of Amazon is a kind of tech, isn't is tech company, I suppose, you know, um, it is a tech company. So, I sense a bit of the Somnia 451 in a lot of companies. They they tend to treat their lower staff as kind of, um, how to put it, I wouldn't say slaves, but um, kind of robot-like. Uh, um, do you think there's any insight in what I've just said? And what, what's your feelings about the whole thing, Robert? I'm not, I'm not sure which bait I'm supposed to take that you've thrown out in the last 10 minutes. Um, I don't know if we're looking for a productive answer, or is, is it, or is this like a, a Fox News uh, um, rantathon? The, the you know the, the, the tragedies around the tornado are, are fundamentally tragedies. I don't know how those will be uh, explained, you know, recovered and whatnot. In fact, the Amazon warehouse that you guys are talking about is in my state of Illinois. So that's the one that got hit, and we had, a, if I last checked, six uh, fatalities out of that. Uh, the Kentucky uh, even worse incident is at the candle factory. 
do I feel that companies at a minimum should have a high ethical standard for every human being working for them? Absolutely. Do we get that? Absolutely not. And, and the, the crux of the matter isn't who's doing it and who's not, is that it's more along the lines, and I'll, I'll bite a little bit on your China rant, is that we don't seem to have a buyer's perspective on what those inequalities actually mean. If we're taking the China example, you know, I am never going to be in one of those factories. I have no idea what's going on on, on those production lines. You know, I can I can hope that some of the news gets out, given the you know the status of the country. That's also very difficult. So I think if we focus more on asking people to really take a look at what tchotchkes they're buying, you know, what they're actually putting. I mean, we're investing our times and our lives to create wealth for ourselves, and then we share it, spend it, however you want to decide. And, you know, I think the bigger question is how do we, uh, let's call it, um, how do we instill an at least an idea of ethical buying versus this is bad, this is good. And, you know, it's not going to magically happen, but just even having a, a little bit of that thought, I think, can go a long way. I'm sure there are very eth many uh, ethical companies in China as well. And so it's not like you want to just take someone off the table entirely. On the other hand, you know, I think, you know, trying to do little bits and pieces along the way uh, makes a big difference. It's nothing, none of this stuff's going to happen overnight. You know, you, you want to rant at the fact that there's, you know, a, a billionaire in space. You know what? I don't got a problem with a billionaire in space. I, you know, I hope that trickles down so that there can be, you know, hundred heirs in space. Uh, but I don't necessarily also want to see that at the expense of, everyone else on the planet. I don't see that today, in all honesty. I don't see that. I, I think more, it's more of everyone else isn't looking at all the other uh, questions that should be asked in the, you know, the economic capitalist system. Yeah, I, I, I totally see. So, Chris, I'm going to let you finish off. Uh, I was being, uh, you know, a bit of my English sarcasm. As Andrew said, I've probably pushed it a bit too far. But I think the crux of it, um, Chris, is... Should staff have to be able to use their personal mobile devices? Obviously, a company has to have rules. It can't allow everybody just to be on a phone all day on social media. But on the other hand, when the you robots in, will run you over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but on the other hand, you are in a in an area that has tornadoes and being able to see the latest information to ban all your staff to have a device that might be able to save their lives seems slightly um, linked to a certain type of attitude. What do you reckon, Chris? So that to me, the, the interesting part is that there's a few narratives you can cook. One of the narratives is, wow, those capitalists are so bad, they made those people work throughout the tornado, which is surely not what happened. You know, they're doing their job like they normally do. And like was mentioned before, tornado warnings come all the time. You, you tend to work through the tornado. Uh, and all I'm thinking is that there's some like chippy right next door to that Amazon place that also blew up. And nobody's yelling at that guy, right? Like because he's just, you know, one guy, one employee. And, and it doesn't sound the same when you try to explain how evil it was to keep the one guy flipping fries out of the fry later. You know, it doesn't sound as sad a story. The part about the phones, it does, it does weave a narrative that we seem to want to tell right now, which is, 
you know, people are trying to quit. People are trying to uh, reclaim their humanity at work. And, and I can't fathom working at a place where they're like, hand over your phone, please, sir. Unless it's like Area 51. Like I would, you know, there's a few roles I could take in my life where I would be like, yes, you may have my device because I'm then going to touch a lightsaber or something. Like I'm into that. But I can't see too many areas of employment where I would like surrender what I consider my personal technology. So I think it's interesting because it, it's almost like what they always say about statistics, right? Like so numbers, people say numbers don't lie, but the truth is you can make numbers say anything. See, look at the doctor. She knows. I can hear you, Sally. (laughs) I thought for a minute it was the voices in my head until other people turned. Hey, when I was in college, one of the books we had to to read was How to Lie with Statistics. There's lies, lies, and damn statistics. Right, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yes, that's it. Well, we need to go for our break. It's been a great conversation apart from my little rant in the second story which Andrew put me right straight away Uh, um, but we're going to go for a break and we'll be back in a few moments Hi there folks, are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients and you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, Backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flows lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flows, who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. I'm Bertha, an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. In just a few clicks, you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert from blog posts to landing pages to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on Bertha.ai. See you soon. We're coming back. We had a good discussion. If you want to join the discussion more, please join the WP Tonic Facebook group page, the Mastermind group. You'll be able to join the discussion, give feedback, tell me that I'm an absolute idiot. I, I regularly get posts telling me about that. Uh, um, I've got broad shoulders to some extent, getting broader every time I do an episode of this show. Uh, um, so on on to story three, Alameda WordPress secret growth driver. Well, I'm going to put this to Spencer. Spencer, I just don't think these people are on, you know, these people are on message. They don't realize that Jetpack is the real driver of WordPress growth, do they? I mean, it, the problem is there's always a fallacy in statistics of causation, right? And in this case, I don't, I mean, Yoast has got an interesting proposition, but I don't know if it's necessarily like that this follows from that. Um, 
we've talked about the fact that Elementor has something like 5.9 million users, which is terrific. But if you ask a majority of people whether they use Elementor, I don't know that that's necessarily the truth. With 43% of the internet on WordPress, I think that's a lot more than 5.9 million. So it's, you know, there's a lot of gaps in the logic. The other part of this that's interesting is I'm not really sure whether or not this is relevant anymore because like Chris and Robert and myself and Andrew and every, we've all decided to drink the Gutenberg Kool-Aid. And so from that standpoint, my argument is that removing this extra layer of Elementor from everybody's consciousness as a requirement in order to get anything done is going to be the most liberating thing to WordPress's growth of all. I mean, quite literally, it's unhooking the horse from the wagon and saying you don't need this thing anymore in order to get stuff done. Whereas before, unfortunately, you did, right? I mean, uh, our good friend over here, in, you know, Chris Gardner and everybody else in, in the space where I was years ago had to teach you how to code the website to make it do stuff. And I gave that up in 2014 with these page builders. But now in 2021, I've gone cold turkey on the page builders and said, let's do this, Gutenberg. You definitely have seen the light, haven't you? I yeah. think it's been and the it's, biggest... And, and I want to say... Of all my daily calls, right, and I speak to half a dozen people a day, not a single Divi or Elementor person has balked when I show them on screen what they could be doing instead with Gutenberg. Even hardcore, I love Divi to my, you know, grave, can't deny when I go, wait, fine, leave Divi alone. Let me just show you a new page. And all of the things between the two pieces of bread are done with Gutenberg. They can't deny how simple it is. So, so Andrew. What what do you what did you make of this article? You know, well, you know, I I spoke and interviewed uh, Yoni and Ben when they first started Elementor, and I was always very impressed with Ben. Yoni not so much because he's quite a shy guy, but obviously very um, pragmatic and and does what he does. And I think any plugin or any kind of anything on WordPress that has five point six million active users is a massive achievement. But if you look at it, it's kind of about the same percentage as Shopify or or Squarespace or whatever. So it's quite small in comparison to what Spencer was saying of what WordPress is. So it's a big ecosystem. There's room for everyone. Gutenberg is the future for WordPress. There's no doubt in my mind that it's the future. And we've just got to embrace it. And there's no reason why page builders and Gutenberg can't work together. They work together now. You can design your website with a with a page builder, be it Beaver Builder, Divi, or Elementor, or Brizy, or whatever you do, Bloxy, sorry, Brizy, whatever you care to use. And you can still use Gutenberg blocks in conjunction with, even on the same page. And that's what Divi are, are moving towards as well. You, they've even got a, a block module so that you can import a Gutenberg block. And the stuff that Spencer's doing is phenomenal. And Poodle Press as well, James Marsden, you know, he has transformed the way that you display WooCommerce. With him. I call him I call him Mr. Gutenberg now. He's great. He's great. So I, I, I don't actually care what Elementor and Elementor are doing um, as long as they keep doing it well, you know, because they are doing it well. But, you know, Elementor for a lot of users, not me, is phenomenal. But, you know, Congratulations to them for having 5.6 million downloads. I don't know what that translates to um, monetary-wise. You know, how many active users have they got on their 
um, payment plans. And also when they changed the payment plan from unlimited to a thousand websites on expert, uh, you know, there was a massive backlash on that. And really, you know, if you're going to build a thousand websites, 999 quid a year isn't going to kill you, is it? Let's be honest. So, you know, congratulations to them, but it doesn't actually matter in the, in the ecosphere. Um, No, so I'm going to throw it over to Chris. Chris, um, I think Andrew had something. What do you, what do you, this is a rather broad question. Hopefully you can zero in. What do you see WordPress as actually being? You know, what, you know, what do you think WordPress is, Chris? I mean, what I want it to be and what I kind of hope it could be out in the world is, I remember the first time we sort of went through this, I remember being in the world of BBSs and IRC and then things like AOL came along and we were like, huh, well, that's kind of easy. But then in your belly, you had this feeling, easy, but easy, but I can't do this thing that like seems like it just should be so easy to do it. I can't do it. And so the world started doing things right at that moment, like web TV showed up and web TV was just clearly and immediately at that time uh, for to, to make it sound as uh, derogatory as I can, kind of the trailer park internet, because it was you throw this thing on top of your, your TV and then it runs. And then you don't really need to know the internet. You've got training wheels internet. So it's like another way, like AOL. So then here comes like Wix and Weebly and all the WYSIWYGs. And they were a delight. You know what I mean? Because if you're a florist and someone says, well, let's crack open WordPress. That's the worst. That's the worst. It's buying, it's like buying an old timey Linux box and, you know, and showing somebody like Debian without the Mac on top of it and saying, Hey, let's learn how to use a computer, shall we? And they're like, I just want to sell a flower. And like, you know, so Wix and Weebly and all that is great. So then comes, you know, uh, Divi Elementor, uh, um, Beaver Builder, and a whole bunch of other de- delightful things that we all go, oh, drag, drop. <laughs> uh, and then we're, we're like back in Weeblyville. What should WordPress be? The real answer now, and, and thank you, Gutenberg, Gutenberg is a perfect delivery system to every voice device. If I don't mention she who shan't be named, uh, it's perfect for you know uh, fast search snippets. The Gaagala um, can search it a little faster and easier, and it's kind of built those snippets. The whole thing about page rank and then suddenly passage rank. Gutenberg is passage rank. It's like welcome, I'm here for you, right? So there's all these things that people can take advantage of that are super powerful, and yet. They're tucked in gently and calm and everyone can appreciate a block. Um, and the only thing you have to get over is that it will never look as pretty as like a $40,000 designed page. You just have to accept that if you're going to go all Gutenberg and no Divi, um, that you'll never have the color you want. You'll never be able to just put your stupid head next to your stupid hero phrase without a lot of humans teaching you how to do it right until someone's, you know, come back around for that. So that's that's my take. My take is that what WordPress yeah. is, is the internet the way we're supposed to make it for most people who want pages. And uh, Gutenberg is basically the, the best possible way of translating that to devices that don't care about the face of the internet anymore. Yeah. So, Robert, what did you make of this article and what Chris has just said? Boy, I wish I actually had read the article from Yoast. That would have been great. But uh, <laughs> I don't read any of them either. So don't worry. <laughs> it's been a busy day already. 
Yeah, and Elementor is not going to be the first and only one who starts doing that. You're going to see other SaaSes pop up on WordPress that make life easier for end users. Heck, even, you know, I like to always compare to, I'm so glad that Chris brought up BBSs. That really takes me back like a thousand years. You know, I'm like, oh, wait, I can't wait to, you know, start editing my config files in GBBS Pro. Um, Oh, yeah, go way back. But, you know, if I don't, if if I'm getting a car, I can get all kinds of cars. There, at some level, many of them are pretty gosh darn the same. They have wheels, they go forward, they go backward, you can turn. And that's great for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to cost a billion dollars to get one. You can also get a Porsche. You can also get a Mercedes Benz. You can also get a Lamborghini. And yeah, you're going to pay for it. And people who have those desires and needs are going to spend that time to get that more custom, if I can extend the metaphor, experience. Um, but there are plenty of Honda Accords in the world which are better this year than last year. And they're a thousand times better this year than they were 10 years ago. So just because we're taking these steps into Gutenberg and you know I can't customize the heck out of it today doesn't mean that that process will evolve in a more uh, natural way as people get accustomed to using these kinds of tools. If we look, you know, look, look at our mobile phones. People figured out how to text messages to each other with nine buttons. How insane was that? And now we all have visual keyboards where we can type in whole things to each other. Well, that's a tech shift and that's okay. And people got used to more software in their lives and having these tools with maybe more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Microsoft Word has, or Microsoft Office has tried to do this, you know, over the last two decades. You know, let's let's hide some of the uh, unnecessary, confusing stuff, make uh, expose dynamically more relevant information, and we'll get there. This is how tech evolves. No one's sitting there, you know, hitting C colon backslash. You know, I don't even remember the directory came, commands. All I can think of is Linux now, but. No, we just go to our browser, you know, our file browser, double click on a folder. Wow. Did, did that ruin the file experience for everyone? Quite the contrary, it made it so much better and more meaningful. Yeah, it's just so, got a quick I, just got a quick photo. Complain about the Gutenbergification of, of WordPress. I think it, I think it's it's a must to continue making keeping WordPress relevant. Yeah, just got a quick follow through question. You know, it was it was pointed out through the on Tuesday, state of the word. Um, Matt pointed out the decline in Joomla, obviously because you're you've been involved in Joomla or part of your career. You're very linked. What's your own view about what seemed to, seems to be the decline of Joomla? Was you surprised or did? Would you not got any view about that at all? Oh, I got plenty of views. I don't know if I have enough time here today. Um, right. It's it. They're first and foremost. They are very different communities. Very open source focused, but very different in their outlook on how they want to, uh, how WordPress wants to engage with the community, how Joomla wants to engage with the community. Uh, they almost if there were opposite ends of the spectrum in the open source world, I would say that, you know, 
there are extremes at both ends that sort of drive some of the the differences. Uh, Joomla had an, uh, uh, a crazy start uh, in reaction to corporate control over software. I mean, first of all, it was it was a project that was based out of Australia. It was called Mambo. There, there was a fundamental uh, core reaction, uh, pun intended, with the developers about how the owners of it were trying to do things that they didn't think were open sourcey appropriate. So th- there's, I feel that there's always been uh, this small or large sliver of, you know, we just don't want all that corporate baggage that comes with having an open source project. The problem is a lot of people go into open source projects to help make themselves more valuable, relevant in communities, in their chosen professions and whatnot. And if if you're kind of like slightly cutting that off at, you know, at the knees by saying we're, we're, you know, I am paraphrasing, but it is my general feeling that, that we're not willing to, work in any meaningful way for in a commercial aspect, then that, you know, people start saying, well, this has been a great project. We've been able to accomplish a lot, but you know what? I can, I can get a full-time job in doing WordPress much more easily than I can at Joomla. And so that what starts as a whisper now becomes more of a, a trend. So hmm. if, if I'm not as um, passionate about the core mission, you know, maybe I just want to have a job and I like open source, but I, you know, this one actually pays or pays better and gives me more stability in my life so I can do the other things I want. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that has slowly trickled away from Joomla. Uh, on, you know, oh, thanks for that, Robert. I thought, being having you on the show, I needed to ask you that because, you know, you, you right. So on to, oh God, <laughs> on to the next story. Sorry. Um, Oh, um, we, um, Chris and uh, Robert, I, ha- I, I, I seem to have certain individuals and certain companies that provide endless stories to me, and Tim Cook and Apple are one of those. So, uh, so Chris, Mr. Cook and his dealings with China, and his wokeness in general in pointing out other people's misdeeds, how does this all... How do you see all this panning out, Chris? <laughs> Mr. Cook in China. That's uh that'll be my twelfth book. Um, I write Mr. Cook in China. But I think um you know, I'm always impressed by how incredibly uh uh prescient and observing people are once they've gotten through the gate they needed to get through. I you know, Tim Cook in China is also like saying Elon Musk and handouts. Right. I don't think any of these people should get an electrical vehicle handout is what he said uh, after he cleaned up his couple hundred million from them. Uh, like that's just cheating getting electric car money now that I have mine. Um, so I feel like a little bit of that with Tim Cook in China. I also think China is a, a really, really complicated problem. I, that feels like kicking the ball down the court. But uh, I, I think that, you know, on the one hand, there's all these questions about uh what we know the government does or doesn't do. And then I always just try to think about what this person does. Like, what does this person do on any given weekday to earn their 
very small amount of money to make their very small amount of food stretch or whatever. Like when you get retrofit into uh, capitalism, it's not pleasant for anybody. I mean, at least in other cultures, you know, we went through some porridge times. Like we went through uh, a cottage industry into an industrial industry into a whatever. These people got pushed ahead of the line. They were, they were in a rice field. And then after lunch, they showed up in a factory making uh, SpongeBob uh, scales for fat kids in America. You know, so it's, it's, it's a terrible experience in general to be the human on the ground in China, let alone uh, having a guy like Tim Cook all at once trying to advocate uh, for Chinese people, sell billions into that environment, and also benefit uh, from the cost of what it takes. But to it's do this the kind of, but Chris, it's the, um, what kind of standed out to me is the sheer hypocrisy and wokeness of Tim of um, Tim Cook's position that I found amazing. How what, what's your response to that? Well, okay, so I have an idea because uh, I have to I have to bolt out. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can get over to Cupertino right now and see if I can get that answer. So so Andrew and Sally and Stephanie Spence and Robert, please carry on the show. Um, I'll be right back with an answer from Tim Cook. Be right back. Right, right. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. He's, he's left us. Very, very clever exit line. Right. Chris doesn't so, around. Yeah, save so Sally. What, what, what was your own take on this story? Well, I mean, uh, uh, you're absolutely right about the hypocrisy. And, you know, my husband Whoa. is Dutch, so he has a good, he has a good eye for hypocrisy. Uh, notices it everywhere except, of course, uh, among the people that he agrees with or in himself, because that's what humans are like. Uh, and uh, I have, however, uh, I mean, you know, we're the people out there buying this stuff. We're the people out there who are, you know, we've gotten spoiled by having the availability of cheap things. And, you know, I've started looking at some of the people who are like, yes, this is, you know, we sell the ethically sourced, we pay our people well stuff. And you know what? I can't afford that. Um, it's, it's difficult, but it's like, well, you know, I could buy these sorts of things and have like yeah, but four I'm sorry, outfits. I'm, uh, I just ever. point out, but I've got to point out, Sandy, we're not talking exactly cheap products when we're talking about no, Apple, Apple's are we? Pro Apple's products are not cheap, but, um, uh, 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 you know, there are still the people who buy them. I'm not one of them because although the Apple products are uh, nice enough, you just, uh, you do not get the bang for your hardware buck. Uh, and there's also all of that, um, you know, anti-right to repair uh, kind of stuff that, that doesn't sit immensely well with me. Uh, but it's, it's sort of like, well, it's not that it's wrong to condemn companies for this. It's just that we also need to look in the mirror at the fact that we are helping these companies to carry on uh, doing uh, doing this, and it's tough not to. I remember reading a story about you know somebody who attempted to buy nothing from China for a year and discovered it was almost impossible to find much of anything that was not made in China. Uh, uh, and you know it, it's Reagan's government that was out there uh, encouraging 
uh, companies to offshore and um, uh, you know uh, that genie is not likely to go back into the bottle very easily. So, Stephanie, what did you make of this article and what Mr. Cook's been up to in China? Uh, unfortunately, I am at the part of the day where my COVID brain kicks in and I <laughs> shut down completely. I'm like, I'm fading, you guys. I can't do it. All right. All right. You get, yeah, you, my phone's going to ring in a second. might be time to go get some medicine, Stephanie. Uh, I'm yeah. sure a lot of the other panels. Ibuprofen is my recommendation for yes. the week, if anybody wants to know. <laughs> All right. Lifesaver. All right. So, uh, Robert. Looks like Chris didn't get there in time. Uh, Tim's calling me right now, so I got to oh go. Oh, my God. Look at this. I think I as well, Robert. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a great rest of the show. Thanks all so much, Jonathan and Andrew. Bye, everybody. I got to go. I got to go. Don't go. Don't, don't know the rest of you. because I want to definitely discuss the fifth article. So I can't. My phone's going to ring. That, oh, please, Dave, please. Uh, um, oh, she's off. So. Um, shall we go on to story um, five then, shall we? Um, because um, um, I thought it was a really interesting story, wrestling with capitalism from a competitor of mine, Natalie from Access Sally. But um, I thought she, it's been something I've been struggling with myself because I always see myself as a business owner. So I always saw myself as a capitalist. You know, but now after her article, I don't quite, but I've had increasingly during the year, Spencer, what am I really moments? Um, What did you think of her piece and her her little video, Spencer? Well, she and her husband are a contrarian anyway, because we've talked about the plug-in. Their plug-in is a framework. It's not a plugin. So it's in the format of a plugin, but it requires you to say, I'm basically all in with doing things differently or backwards, you know, driving. I always say driving on the wrong side of the highway. So I think that she lives up to her promise on that because I don't think that they see their solution as one where they're just participating in a larger ecosystem, but rather acquiring customers for the long haul who are basically, you know, recurring subscribers, recurring payers, and so forth. Um, I ask myself at my age and stage what it is that I want to achieve. And I think that everybody at every point in their life who's doing entrepreneurial things has to say, why am I doing this? What I do find in the WordPress space with regard to her comment is that there's not going to be, in my opinion, many people who start from scratch and build something to the point of a Yoast or a Pippin or a, you know, whatever, Justin Farenman. I think that there will be too much money from too many verticals that will compete with that and make it that the future will be people will be essentially building stuff to be acquired or building stuff to be part of a larger system versus in the past, I don't even know, honestly, if you ask Pippin, I don't think he ever said he started out thinking like one day I'll have 12 employees and sell this company. Um, But remember the article last week when Justin Fairman said, you should be building something with recurring revenue so that your multiplier is an X value multiplier instead of this. He's factually correct, but I think he's speaking from a historical perspective. Whereas Natalie is speaking, or Natalie is speaking in realistic terms. Like, I think somebody in this space right now should think, what can I do today that A, won't be taken away from me? B, I can do when I'm older. 
see if I do decide to sell it, and it's not like a sellout. I'm selling it because it provided me some other avenue. Because the last part of this, I would comment on, historically, I've known myself and I've seen it myself and I've experienced lots of stories I've read about people I don't know. Somebody makes a company, gets extraordinarily popular, sells it for a ton of money, and they're 32 years old. (laughs) Guess what happens? 15 minutes after they sell it, they're immediately depressed and filled with remorse. Why? Because like Viktor Frankl's book, they don't have any meaning in their life anymore. And so they immediately go off and have to start something from scratch, which begs the question of why sell the thing at all then? And the only reason that I can think of would be in some cases with plugins and otherwise, it's like working at a factory. After five years of doing the same thing with one plugin, you realize like, it's going to support me and my kids, but like I'm making the same widget every day, the same thing. So I don't, so, I don't have a better answer than that because there's no conclusion to it, but it's just... You know. No, I thought it was very... Andrew, Andrew, I really loved, loved the video and I really admire Natalie because I think she's one of the sharpest women entrepreneurs that I've interviewed now. I've always liked her work, the way she does things. But then there was the cynical side of me, Andrew, not the really very positive side of me. Just thought, oh, Natalie, I do hope you don't sell to GoDaddy in two years and you have to come out with a puff, pe- puff piece yeah. about why you're selling to, you're going to be changing GoDaddy's <laughs> culture. Uh, um, forgot, you know, and, and you got the audacity to make me have to listen to that bullshit. Uh, um, you know, um, so I didn't know what to make of it. Can you please help, Andrew? I didn't watch the video. The reason I didn't watch the video because I was too busy uh, building another business. Um, the <laughs> my whole point of being in business is to is to build it grow it and sell it. There is no other reason for my existence in this world, in the business world. I've done it with restaurants. I've had three restaurants. I've sold each one for a profit. I sold Elegant Marketplace uh, after five years. I think it's a five-year plan, minimum, maximum five-year plan. If you can build something, you know, I've built, I've built something now, launching it today. And before it was even launched, somebody offered me, somebody asked me to buy it. Um, so the whole point of being in business is you're either, it's like a franchise. I used to work for Sinorama franchise, you know, in the UK. And people were buying a job when they buy a franchise. That's my view of franchising. You buy yourself a job because the only person really that makes money out of that is the franchisor. Uh, the guy that owns the, the, the actual licensing for the franchisoring. Um, and I saw this guy who was the owner of Sinorama UK make a lot of money from 40, 50 franchisees. Um, so I'm not buying a job here. You know, when I sold Elegant Marketplace, that, that put me into a position where I could invest and I could um, have, relax actually for a couple of years, just sit back and say, right, what do I want to do? And what I want to do is be involved in the WordPress ecosphere, grow businesses, help other people grow their businesses. All the, you know, the, the plugin that I'm launching today is in conjunction with someone else. It's I financed it. I'm the money. 
You know, it's as simple as that. They're the skill set. Um, and I want people to succeed as much as I want to succeed. So, you know, it's an equal partnership. It's all 50-50. And that's what I did with Page Builder Cloud. 50% was owned by Sean. I sold my 50% to Melissa. Same thing with Layouts Cloud. And Elegant Marketplace was sold to InMotion. What they're doing with it, why should I care? I don't own it anymore. I've been paid out, you know. But it's it's the... I, I do actually care because, you know, there are some vendors there that have, have, I've made some good friends with. So I think if you can become, um, Heather, Heather uh, said it really quite succinctly, and I can't remember what she actually said, but I've always regarded myself as a, as a communist capitalist or a socialist capitalist. If you build something, treat your staff as as well as you can, as well as you can, as kindly as you can. Nurture them, grow them, make them come out to to be actually become you, and and be the managing director of their own little section. And they then profit from it in many ways. They they profit from it in learning. They profit from it in personal growth, and they profit from it in in making the company bigger and better. So when you sell the company, you then reward them accordingly. Um, so I don't worry about being a capitalist because I also share, and that's and I and I build. Yeah, I think that I, I built to sell. Yeah, I think that I thank you so much for that, Andrew. But that just to finish off before we go on to limited recommendations and finish this show, and thank you both of you to staying on, um, Spencer. That was that's to finish off. That's the key question I want to put to you, Spencer, because Natalie seem to suggest you can be an entrepreneur and not be a capitalist, not be part of this of this kind of global system, which, like her, I have great concerns about. But on the other hand, I think I'm being a hypocrite because I'm part of it. I, I've always been a capitalist like Andrew. Because of my dyslexia, I've always had to run, start my own businesses, make my own future. I've done it since I was 23, Spencer. So am I deluding myself, Spencer? You know, if you're, can you be, are you, as an entrepreneur, are you not part of a system which has obviously got some major problems, hasn't it? I mean, I agree with Andrew's point, but I think Andrew and I are of like mind and this qualifies it because Nathalie is that way too entrepreneurs by their definition don't like to go past the stage of creating the idea into reality. So the problem with what happens in the life cycle of a product is after five years, you're asleep at the wheel. So Andrew's point of making stuff and selling it is hundred percent correct. And I would agree with that myself. So even in the products that I'm currently involved with, I, I say on a daily basis, like I don't see myself in 10 years running launch flows. I see myself being a thought leader or somebody who other people come to or being a, you know, a, a financier of other ideas. But that's because I don't see myself retiring from what's otherwise a, a game, a monopoly game of find a problem, put people together, put money on it and see what happens. That's not for everybody because there's other people your franchise example is a great visual. They want to buy a job. I know people who acquire Domino's pizza franchises. It's like like literally a hundred of the same business, but 
I came from a world where I was a real estate developer and I did that with apartments for a long time, 25 years. So I think you have to decide what kind of hat matches your personality. And in the WordPress ecosystem, there are some people that would be really thrilled to run a, a popular financially secure plugin for 15 years. They'd be overjoyed. That would not be me. But at the same time, I appreciate the fact that we're really talking about does somebody have the ability to make an idea into reality today on their own bootstrap? And WordPress still affords that opportunity, but I'm suggesting you're now going to be competing against a, a stable of brand new horses being funded by a wealthy patron. And that's not the ecosystem that many of our popular sellouts came from. They were in a world where like one person stood out like a tree in a field of daisies and now it's going to be a field of trees. And, you know, that's going to be a different type of... Uh, and I agree with you. You need money. You know, you need money to, to, to put into these things. You know, we've got Bertha.ai. We've got GutenbergAI.com. You know, it's... Or, or you need an audience. They money take or money. An audience. Well, they take, it takes money to, to, to develop these things. Don't, you know, let me tell you, it takes money. And, um, you know, it's a concern that because, yeah, totally. because these companies are buying these companies and they're such a high level, you know, Syed's buying all-in-one SEO up, you know, and all these other companies and, and Automatic are buying MailPoet and all that. So where are we? We are now run by or we are now guided by these people with phenomenal funding, right? right. I'm doing it from my back pocket. Yeah, I've sold a couple of companies and made some money, but I've still got to have a car. I've still got to have pay my rent. I've still got to feed my kid. And you know, there is that is the concern of a solopreneur, which is what I am. There's nothing, nothing, I'm nothing more than that. And I'm a risk taker. So I've taken some risks. I've built some built some um really phenomenal stuff, you know, with Vito and, and Bertha and I. It's all about getting it out there. I, I so, really I know yeah. you do sponsor the show. So, but I am. I, I think what you and Vito have done with Bertha is very impressive and very interesting. And I would honestly say that even if you weren't sponsoring the sh the show, um, um, I do honestly believe that that is one of the more interesting plugins. It is, and it's got a long way to go. I tell you, we you know some of the things that we're going to be doing in the future are phenomenal, but they're going to take some finance. So, yeah. and and the customers we've got, we've got over a thousand users now. You know, it's a phenomenal. We launched in September. It's crazy. You even got my, you even got my wallet you open. You, you, I've even got you as a customer. You know, it's amazing. But it's the amazing, point yeah. is about the point about you know, can we do this? Um, ecologically, consciously, uh, conscientiously, can we do it conscientiously with employing people? You know, we, I've now got six staff, full time yeah. staff. So it's, hard. I just want to wrap it up. The way I dealt with this, Spencer and Andrew, is I really see a difference between normal capitalism and entrepreneur being an entrepreneur and America, American corporate capitalism which I see as a hybrid and not a particularly very attractive hybrid. Uh, I see American corporate capitalism has morphed itself into something pretty ugly. Uh, um, and if it can change or is forced to change, more the better, in my opinion.
but that's my opinion. Let's go on to our recommendations. Mine is the um, American Red Cross because um, I know um, the American Red Cross and the International Red Cross personally helped my father, my grandfather, in when they were in most need of help. The International Red Cross came and helped both my grandfather and my father. So I still support the internet and I have given money because I do deeply feel for the people of Kentucky. So that's my recommendation. So, Andrew, have you got a recommendation for the tribe? I have, and I'm going to recommend my new plugin, which is launched today. And it's it's uh, called uh, GutenbergAI.com and it converts Elementor pages to Gutenberg. All right, make sure it's in Slack and I'll make sure. It's already in Slack. uh, Spencer, have you got a recommendation for the tribe? Yeah, that's a good one, by the way, because I I was talking to Andrew's partner, I believe in this, and he let me know about it, so I have to give this a shot today for helping out all those people that want to change over. I've got a similar, uh, but not my own, uh, recommendation. I gave a workshop uh, this week, which went off very well, and one of the conversation points was, do you need an LMS? every case when you're building a stack. And sometimes it's good enough just to have pages and things connected with, there's two plugins, one of which is the WP Complete, which lets you connect for free various pages and posts. But then people said, well, how do I give a quiz? So there's a very capable plugin in the repository called the Quiz and Survey Master, best quiz exam and survey plugin. And it's free, and it lets you add quizzes to any of these self-made LMSs, which is pretty appropriate because for many people, an LMS like Learn Dash or Lifter is just too much. It's overkill. So this is a way to bake well, they, your own. They need to find a hybrid solution. I know what. I mean, <laughs> the, point, the point is like it's always. I recommend two ways. You can you can take the heavy duty solution and leave ninety percent of it turned off. Folks, just, yeah. he, he sponsors my show, and I really love Spencer, but he never recommend my service to anybody. That's what are you talking tr- about? This would no. be something you would set up for somebody. So in other words, I know, but I mean, it's still, the, the, here's the neat thing. The takeaway is for like your company as an intermediary professional, the world we're moving into is never been better for intermediary service providers. I've literally had this conversation six times in the last two days. Here's why. The snow globe of WordPress is being shaken up. You don't use the same tools. You don't use the same page builder. There's Gutenberg element. There's things that convert the old plugins. Who is going to teach everybody in line behind you this thing? Your company or an intermediary. It is literally like 2014 all over again, where we went from HTML markup sites to page builder sites. But now the people are too busy and, and literally confused by the mix of the old and new. So I could not be more excited about the fact that there are a million ways to do things because everybody agrees on one thing. I say to them, what do you think the WordPress experience is like to you versus going into like a Shopify or Wix or Weebly? They're like, I'm confused as hell. And that means that there's a We definitely solve the confusion for people. I'm I'm determined to solve the confusion because I totally agree with you there. Yeah, you know, solve Uh, it by starting it up. All right. Thank you, panel. Um, I just wanted to say to both of you, Spencer and Angie, you've been both fantastic panelists and you regularly appear and your contribution during the year has been fantastic and all the panel and all the guests. 
I just want to personally wish you, Andrew, Spencer, yourself and your family a great Christmas and New Year. And thank you for being a panellist and also sponsoring the show because um, I don't depend, obviously, on the sponsorship money in any show performed because I'd be living in a tent otherwise. But um, it does, you know, if, it, if, if nobody's prepared to give any money to the show, it's a sign to me that the show really hasn't got any value for anybody. Uh, um, so it just shows me and it covers the costs of running the show. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, thank you, right. Tribe. I'm, I, I'm hoping to do, by the way, a solo Christmas Eve WP Tonic show all by myself here. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're having a break. Sense we, we can do it. It's not a yeah. problem. We can do it. We will be back in the new year, folks. I want to wish you and your families a great Christmas New Year. Keep healthy. Keep away from that horrible virus. Uh, um, we'll see you in the new year, folks. Bye. Cheers, Jonathan. Cheers, Spencer. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 